Like I, who am I to tear another woman down? And I still have to work through this. There are still spiteful parts of me. And I think we're trained as women in a lot of ways by society to feel competitive. And like, we want another woman to fail. I reframe and it's really cool. And I'm so impressed by you. And I get inspiration instead, but there's still that first thought that I have to combat that I think has just been trained to us through our culture. Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening in today to the Confident Mompreneur Podcast, the podcast by real women for real women, where we talk about real life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Hello all, this is Kiri, your Confident Mompreneur. I just wanted to hop in here. I had some amazing things uh, going on over the last couple of weeks, and I just wanted to kind of catch you guys up on all of that and tell you where I'm at on some of my personal side of things, because I know that you guys um, really love me and have been so supportive, and I want to share everything with you guys. So this weekend... I was able to go to a wonderful women's retreat. It was hosted by Melinda Jepson with BU Women Retreats. We've had her on the podcast before. She is an amazing human being. Um, But I got to meet so many other incredible women, and I am so excited because I have invited a few of them onto the podcast. So hopefully you will be hearing from them in the next couple weeks. But Melinda just does an incredible job of creating a space of openness and, you know, power for women to really lean into their new full selves. And it it was just an incredible time. We had some amazing speakers um, there and I just learned so much. So I am so grateful for that opportunity and, you know, everything that Melinda has done to provide those opportunities for, you know, women around here. So that was super fun. And I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, If you guys are interested in women's retreats, I highly recommend them. I think they're amazing. Speaking of, I will be getting to speak at a women's retreat Um, September 8th through 10th is when it will be, and the title of it is Discover You. It's going to be helping women let go of the past and discovering who they really are. It's going to be in Garden City, Utah, and it's going to be hosted by my good friend, Pam Nebuchadnezzar-Tolman. She has been on the podcast as well before. She's incredible. We love her. Um, So if you guys are interested in that, go check it out as well. I will also be hosting a podcasting masterclass about how to podcast confidently. That is going to be on May 31st at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. It's $25 for an hour-long class. I will also be sending you the recording afterwards so that you have that to reference back to. Um, We are going to be talking about a ton of different things, just how to actually start your podcast how to edit it, um, how to distribute it, do bookings uh, with your people that you have on if you're doing interview style podcasts, and then how to use AI to make your podcast even better. So if you guys are interested in podcasting at all, you're thinking about starting it, already have one and maybe want to up-level it, come DM me, sign up for that class. 
Um, my handle on Instagram is at the underscore confident underscore mompreneur, just like the podcast. So that is going to be awesome. I am so excited to get to do that with you guys. And then most of you guys have listened to my podcast episodes um, at the beginning of this season and know that I have been right in the middle of going through the entire court process for my sexual assault. So I just figured I would let you guys know that the last and kind of final step in the court process, which is going to be our sentencing, is going to be on May 13th. So... If all of you could just send me good vibes, um, healing thoughts, all of that stuff, um, I would really appreciate it um, as that's going to be, you know, a pretty difficult moment for me. But I did just want to let you guys know because I know that you're invested and you all care about me so much. So I do appreciate you. Um, With that all said, let's get into our episode for the day. Hi. Hello. You want to start out by introducing yourself and then kind of catch us up. I feel like <laughs> so much has happened for both of us since we were together. So kind of catch us up on everything since you and I actually last physically saw each other. <laughs> yes. We last saw each other, I believe would have been, was it early spring of 2020? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So maybe like February, which I guess is winter. I don't know. Spring for school, winter for season. Yeah. Um March of 2020, COVID struck. The most vivid thing I remember is sitting around the little round table in the University of Wyoming's Alumni Association Center and our boss being like, okay. For everyone's safety, we're going to go home for a couple of weeks, and I'm sure everyone has a similar experience, or most individuals who are in the workforce have a similar experience that, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go, and then you are at home for a year instead of two weeks, (laughs) and in that year, I, this is so bad, Um, I'm trying to remember when I got married, I can't even remember, (laughs) like, what, when did I get married, I was about a year before that I got married, I think it was March 2019, like, end of March 2019, I got married, and um, I was married in an interesting way, so I wasn't married through the U.S. government, um, like, system, I was married through the religion of Islam, and There were various reasons why my now ex-husband and I decided to get married that way. And one of them was we didn't want people to assume that we were married for like green card reasons. That wasn't why we were. We had a really pretty passionate, like really liked each other. I had known of him for a while. He had kind of known of me from different things around campus. Um, We met after I got out of a not great relationship in like 2017, I think, and um, clicked right away. And then we just like went on a whim and got married through the religion uh, like a year after. And I basically called everyone who was important to me on Friday. And then we got married on a Sunday. And then fast forward, you and I knew each other about eight months after that. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit. And in the span of that time, I was not having a great time in my marriage. I had tried, we called, I say we, I don't practice Islam now, but at the time I was practicing Islam and tried, it's called reverting to the religion. So there's a belief 
at least in how I practice, that everyone's born Muslim. And then as you grow, you decide what you believe. And if it's not Islam, then if you come back to the religion, you're reverting back to what you were born as. So I reverted to Islam um, shortly before I was married. And I wore full hijab for a while, I guess not totally full because it wasn't like dresses and stuff. I would wear pants, but all my skin that should have been covered based on the tenets of the way that I practice religion were. And I was really uncomfortable after a while. Beautiful religion, not because of the religion, but just the way I've been raised. And I'm a very... I say like white third wave feminist is how I grew up in my late teen years, early 20s. So practicing something much more conservative was very difficult for me. And um, it also was not easy for my family. So once COVID hit, those things really started coming to a head. I think, again, as a lot of people experienced, you were either really good or you were really not good. And we were really not very good. So I was finishing up my graduate program, working full time, trying to be married. We had an apartment in a town 45 minutes away from the university and an apartment in the town that has the university. I would travel between the two. I was so skinny, so unhealthy. I was having joint inflammation problems because I was so stressed all the time. I practiced Ramadan full on, even doing all of those things. So I fasted for like 30 days. Um, I, I think it was like a couple of months after COVID started that Ramadan happened. Um, excuse me. Actually, the year before I did it fully, that year I actually left Ahmed during Ramadan, was with my family, tried fasting, couldn't do it, was so stressed, so sad, didn't do the full fast. And then just like all hell kind of broke loose when... I graduated. So May 2020, was graduating from my graduate program, was living with my parents because of how much fighting my ex-husband and I were going through, was trying to decide if I was going to stay or go, decided to get my own apartment closer to him so we could try to spend time together. Things kept escalating. I tried marriage counseling. It did not go well. And um a really tough story that I haven't really told a lot of people because I still have guilt that I'm working around it. But of course, in I think it was July 2020, um, Black Lives Matters started becoming really prominent. And um, my husband was a man of color. He was Black and he was a Nigerian immigrant. And um, I feel silly that I didn't think to do this on my own, but he asked if it, like I'd be open to going to the protest, which I totally should have done on my own. So I wish I had, but I was like, oh yeah, duh, like this is very important to me. So started going to some of the protests in our city, but at the same time, there was a physical altercation that happened between me and my ex-husband. And so like in the mix of going on these protests and it being COVID and all this weirdness and everything, um, I called the police on him because I wanted him out of my apartment mm -hmm. and I wanted him to have to go back to his apartment. But when the police got there, I didn't really want to say everything. And again, he's a man who's black and black lives matters is going on. And I'm more in line with the views of like black lives matter than, um, than not in line with it, I guess I don't know how to say that. Mm -hmm. And so after that, things just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then 
October 2020, I bought a ticket to go stay with two of my best friends. And I told him that I was going to the library to study. And instead, I was getting on a bus to go to the Denver airport because we were so like attracted to each other. And there were components of our history that were so intimate. It was very hard for us to actually break away from each other. Mm-hmm. So once I got to the airport and was about to board my flight, I called him. I was like, I lied to you. I'm at the airport. We're horrible for each other. Like we're passionate, but we're horrible. So I'm going and we're divorcing. We're not going to be together anymore. Um, What was that like for you? knowing that there were elements of that relationship that were were good, obviously, and you were so passionate and everything, but knowing that that separation had to happen. So scary. I am a very codependent person and I have been forever. I was, I screamed until I was three years old if my mom didn't hold me because I love humans, love touch, love animals. I have been in several abusive relationships because I stay way longer than I should. I am now fortunately in a very beautiful, healthy relationship. And I've had to work through a lot of, like, I can trust my now partner Trent with literally everything. So honest, so pure, he's the best. But there are still times where I'm like, oh, like, what were you doing? And I'm like, wait, that's my codependency talking. That's my trauma from other relationships. Or he'll be like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends because he has this core group of 14 friends that he's had for 12 plus years. And they are. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you do that? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be jealous. And I hate that. It's getting better, but there's definitely this fear because I was so reliant on my romantic relationship for affirmation, for sex, for figuring out finances as an adult for all of these things and then I'm like I can't do this anymore like my body is literally giving out on me I can't gain weight my joints are inflamed I couldn't drink coffee anymore because I would get acid reflux on my kidney I was like 24 Mm -hmm. you know yeah so I was really scared but the home I went to were two of my best friends in South Carolina and um the they're married. So they're my best friends. They're a married couple. And the wife in the relationship, her name is Maya. And she builds this home that is just like a sanctuary for people. So I couldn't have been going to a better place. Once I got there, it took them two weeks of reminding me my self-worth and that I didn't need to be reliant on someone for me to not be like, am I doing the wrong thing? (laughs) You know, all that. Mm -hmm. But I would say once those two weeks were up, I was pretty confident in like, yeah, I need to be separated from my husband. That's so good though, that you had those people there that were able to like walk you through that and like support you through it. Because I think that's one of the hardest things, especially if you're so codependent on that relationship is like you know finding the support in other areas because I know especially for me I was in a similar situation I had been you know kind of separated from my family for a while and so I didn't really have any of those outside relationships to look towards for support in that time so that's so awesome that you had that thank you and I I'm sorry you had to it sounds like maybe find your way did you end up finding 
a group of people who you could get through with that? Did you have to lean pretty heavily on counseling? Like what solutions did you find for yourself? Because I think it might be impossible without some sort of community to fully get away. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, Honestly, I was mostly on my own at the very beginning of things, but as I got out of it and started like kind of rediscovering myself and like kind of breaking that bond myself, I was able to like actually create those um, relationships and then I did end up going and you know repairing the relationships that had been broken before including those with my family so but it it took some of that internal work first and dropping my pride before I could go and do that that's such a good point pride is such a big part of it I feel like there's this weird crossover where you're dating it's like if it's an unhealthy dating relationship, it sucks, but it's not as scary as telling people, like, I'm sorry that my husband and I sucked as a marriage. That's just way harder for some reason. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> really. Well, so after you, like, had actually gone through the separation and you decided, like, this is it, what did it look like for you going from there? And like, I know you had converted to Islam right before then. Um, and what did that kind of look like for you after you had left that relationship? I became very sexually exploratory, exploratory, exploratory. Don't, I think it's a Tory. Um, <laughs> that was one thing that happened. I was involved with a couple of open relationship couples just they I guess I don't know I think I was just trying to find myself I was kind of going through like the phase that a lot of people equate with going through in college but in college I was in a lot of cis hetero relationships that lasted a long time and were abusive so I didn't and I'm not saying everybody has to explore I'm not saying that's like oh it's a given but <laughs> for the the type of person I am it's definitely a given I'm someone who likes to test things out and know things and get to know things I mean for goodness sake I reverted to a religion I knew very little about just to learn about it you know and so I I started exploring and that was like fun, but then I fell really hard for this guy who I had known in my undergrad and he is in the army and I was traveling all over the place meeting my friends. So I went from South Carolina with two of my best friends down to Florida where I had a ton of friends because I was a part of a couple of Disney college programs and several of them stayed. So I went there and then I rode Oh, I did all sorts of fun stuff. It was a really good time for the most part. I rode up to Philadelphia. And um, unfortunately, at the same time all of this was happening, we found out that my brother-in-law had some really difficult health issues that one day I want my sister to tell her story. And I think she will. So I don't want to get too far into that. But there were times I would go back home and had to be pretty conscientious because it was COVID and my brother-in-law was going through these things. And my sister's like trying to start a new business while working full-time with patients about cancer. She's incredible. Sister's like one of my idols. And um, okay. So after touching back in Wyoming for a little bit, I got to California and then I got to Hawaii and I'm doing all of this like by myself. When I get there, I'm with people I know, but I'm traveling by myself. I rode a Greyhound from Southern Florida, like middle Florida to South Carolina at nighttime, which I don't highly recommend, but <laughs> man, do I have stories. Um, 
And so I, um, I saw the sunset off the California beach by myself. And then I went to Hawaii and I had to do all these things. I got my body scanned as I walked into Hawaii because it was COVID time and it's not lost on me the privilege I had to be able to travel around like this. And it was very conflicting for me because I'm quite liberal and I am a believer of protecting others. And I was getting tested left and right. And I'm like, it's not really right for me to be traveling right now, but I didn't have a home and I just like needed my community and all of my best friends lived in other States. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I ended up in Hawaii with this is like a total gossip girl story, but I'll just, <laughs> I've had a person in my life who they're male and I walked up to them in seventh grade and I said, you're going to be my best friend. Like just period. Barely. I didn't even know the person. I just, and then they became one of my best friends. And with time, I realized that this person had fallen in love with me, but they had never said they fell in love with me. And so I stayed with them in Hawaii thinking we were friends because it had been a long time since we had been in a situation where it were sort of obvious. And I'm like, oh, okay, like we haven't seen each other in person for probably five years. We still send each other happy birthday, but we were best friends. And there was some, he kind of told me that he liked me and like loved me in this way. And then we were adults and it seemed different. So I went and I stayed with them. And I was like, just so you know, there's another guy on the island who I really like. And I reached out to the other guy. I didn't think anything of it with this friend who I stayed with, but in the midst of me being in Hawaii for 10 days, A, had the most incredible time with the food and learning some about the culture and freaking gorgeous. But B, the guy I was staying with confessed to me that he had graduated high school early because he had loved me and we hadn't worked out in a relationship and that he understood now wasn't a good time for me to feel like hopping into anything but that he'd be there and blah 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 and I was like I'm sorry I really like this other guy and it was my 25th birthday while I was there so this other guy and I and then my friend because I felt bad not inviting him like hiked to the top of this beautiful mountain place on my 25th birthday to watch the sunrise did all this stuff and I was so into this I'll just name him. His name's Alex. I was so into Alex. And it was this incredible, incredible birthday. Um, but I had given up some of the exploratory things I was doing because I was scared of like what Alex would think of it. And that is again how codependent I was, and sometimes still am, because we hadn't even expressed like any sort of commitment or even I didn't even know if he liked me zero idea um, at this point and I was like I'm not going to do the things that I'm kind of curious about because what if he doesn't like those things like what if he's a tra traditional guy blah 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 and then I'm also I don't know like it was just very complex and again got into this weird dynamic with men where I'm like allowing that to control my actions even if it's not the men's fault and then I'm feeling guilty about this guy's feelings who I can't control and I was straight up about why I was there like all this mixture of things. And then I come back to the States, the, um, or I want to call it lower 48, but I wasn't in Alaska. So the, the 48th that are connected. <laughs> and, and I continued talking to Alex and he had to go through an experience that made it so we couldn't like talk very often because he is military. Mm -hmm. And, um, he was very like he was great and he's still someone I consider like I would say an acquaintance because we don't know each other super well but if we knew each other better a friend mm -hmm. and he basically was like hey you know I think you're great and 
you're really cool, Heather, but I'm about to go through this experience and I just don't have space for anything beyond like us being cool with each other. Okay. Well, I'll probably try to hold out because I really like you, but that's fine. <laughs> um, and then I met Trent. And I have known Trent since I was 12 years old. And we had homeroom across from each other seven, when I was in seventh grade. He was in eighth grade. He's a jock. He, in high school, was one of the three or four captains of our football team. He was everything that I, like, did not like in high school. <laughs> he, like, rambunctious. Now we know he has ADHD and dyslexia, so a lot of these things make sense. But I was a goody two-shoe who was very quiet. And um, I was, like, popular, I think, for being kind I think and I hope but I wasn't popular for being like the hottest most athletic chick around and so he reached out to me because I was I was thirsty and I was asking for compliments on Instagram I was like do I look better with short hair or long hair and he said short hair which I prefer on myself and I was like most men don't say that and I like short hair better on myself so maybe I kind of like you and then we started talking about Star Wars which I like a lot now, but I liked quite a bit then too. And then he asked me to a Disney movie and I was like, hey dude, sorry, but there's this like really hot guy who just went into training that I'm talking to so I can only do it as friends. And he's like, perfect. I've been single for four years and like women are a lot of work. So this will be great. I was like, sweet. And then we went and he was so great. It was super awkward. We were like trying to relearn about each other. And I ordered noodles, which you should never do on a first date. And, You're like slurping it. <laughs> yes. And so I barely eat, not because I think women shouldn't eat, but because I didn't want to eat the noodles in front of him specifically. And then um, all these things. And then we go to the movie and he never tried to touch me. Hmm. Which just some background on that. I think I was 12. I don't remember for sure, but I think the first time that I was assaulted by a male was when I was 12 and it was in a movie theater and it was a guy just like shoving his hands down my pants, basically. I'm 12 years old, not a man. I should say he was like 13. So a guy, a male doing it. And um, so it just stood out to me a lot that he didn't try to put his arm on me. He didn't try to hold my hand. Like I told him I had this boundary and he respected it. And when we finished that night, he was like, do you mind if I give you a hug before you go into your car? Like totally asking for consent, giving me agency. And I'm like, fuck, I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he gives me agency. Um, and so that was, let's see, March 2021 was when he and I got went on that like friendship one. And then it was this cat and mouse game of me still for a while liking Alex and being very transparent about it in ways I had never been like just open because Trent is so easy to talk to and then um and then Trent I mean he was pretty he was like listen here lady I know this guy sounds awesome but you don't even know if he likes you <laughs> I'm like yeah that's true <laughs> um, so he was very persistent in a respectful manner and he like never pushed me to be sexual never pushed me to have to see him he was funny he was kind he was very like supportive and at the same time I also started realizing that I have panic disorder so I was getting on medication so like things that I had struggled with for since I was 12 years old started to become easier to comprehend and I started realizing maybe I shouldn't be looking necessarily for the person who I immediately want to like 
have sex with, but instead look for the person who I can build a life with. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, that is kind of up until when I met Trent. And then since then, we've bought a house. We have six animals. We're not married. I actually don't know. I know eventually we will be because this is, I mean, this is going to sound shitty, but just for all those out there, our system is built off of the principles of Christianity and you are rewarded for doing things that are Christian. And although I disagree tax with <laughs> tax benefits, he's a veteran. So mortgage benefits, like all of these things and it's kind of shitty if you're not necessarily in the religion, he's Christian. I'm not, but, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough I mean so I feel like the person that you were when you were married and the person that you are now like obviously uh just seeing all of your posts on Instagram and things like that you talk about kind of more of the feminism and um you know a lot of things around that how did you kind of go through that mindset shift of you said you kind of grew up in that feminist way but then you converted to Islam which is very much a more you know traditional religion and then back into this feminism and still creating a you know healthy relationship with a man at the same time as you know making sure that you're promoting feminism at the same time because I feel like oftentimes a lot of people are like you can't be a feminist and in a you know healthy hetero relationship (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah it's been quite the journey I should, I did say all my life, I grew up feminist. I think I should edit that a little bit and say, in college, I really started to learn what feminism is. I was fortunate. I grew up in a household. My, one of my parents is quite conservative Republican. And one of my parents is moderate Democrat. And they've been married for over 30 years and they do not always get along. And there have been rough patches, but I grew up with the understanding that being human comes first being well being a safe human comes first so if there's views that I disagree with really hard to me it's because it's hurting someone like physically and mentally hurting them but other than that politics shouldn't define if you talk or interact with someone or not um as long as they don't believe something of opinion right so you believe something that I think fundamentally is going to lead to like genocide or people being murdered, I'm going to have a problem. But if you believe something that I don't think is going to be the best solution, let's figure it out. Let's talk. Let's, you know, Mm -hmm. so my mom and my mom's mom, pretty feminist, just like, I didn't realize this until I was older and understood feminism, but my grandma had my mom when she was 18 or 19 and she still worked a full-time job as a teacher And, um, unfortunately she is, she has an abusive husband who is my grandpa, not the biggest fan of grandpa. She's been with him. That sucks. But she did pioneer like my mom being really good at school. My mom fought forest fires and did like, my mom's pretty badass. My sister is pretty badass. I hope that I'm cool. (laughs) I I hope. Uh, But in college, I fell into gender and women's studies because I love to travel. So I decided, 
I decided to give my dad a heart attack. And I'm like, the first place I'm going to go that's not a U.S. territory or state is southern India, because why not? And to get there, I did a gender and women studies course where we learned a lot about Hinduism. We learned some about Islam and we learned a ton about like female infanticide, the fact that young women are often left to die if it's a family who doesn't have a lot of money because women are less desirable and they cost more as they grow up because you have to pay a dowry. Um, um, it's very complex. So I encourage anyone if they hear this to go research if interested. It's very sad. But all over the world, women are treated as less than in different ways. And um, so I was like, I need to learn more about this because I have a uterus and a vagina and feminine hormones. And I relate to being a woman and I am white phenotypically mostly white like blood wise and ancestry as well and I think maybe I could like do something a little bit more and so I um, am very passionate about Kimberly Crenshaw's intersectionality theory she is incredible I think it basically talks about that we all have this gamut of things about us basically and I'm trying to figure out how to describe this it's like a, a bunch of lines that cross and there's a horizontal line the x-axis is like privilege above the line and not privilege below the line and so if one of your things that's going through it is like gender then anything that's not male cis is below the line to a certain degree and sexuality anything in the U.S. that's not heterosexual is like below the line to a certain degree and so understanding that not nobody is privileged in every way but there are ways you are more privileged in and so I'm privileged in that I come from a middle upper income family so I have access to education I'm privileged that I'm white I'm privileged that I physically am able-bodied but I'm not privileged mentally. I have a lot of difficulties with mental health and it's genetic in my family. I'm not privileged with gender because I am female, like those sorts of things. So I became very interested in that and how that interacts with all humans. And um, when I reverted to Islam, I'll say I met some of the coolest women ever in the mosque. They're so in tune with themselves, intelligent. They're women who sacrificed everything for the well-being of their family, which I'm at a point in my life where I think everything is feminine and masculine. I, I don't personally think that's defined by biology. I think it's defined by a, a number of things, environment, hormone levels, exposure to things. Like I think it's several things, trauma, and these women to me were like the epitome of a feminine energy who makes sacrifices to nurture. Mm -hmm. And then they were also so in touch with themselves and how intelligent and great they were. A lot of them, I'm, this is generalizing, but a lot of them that like their body wasn't sexualized. And I loved that. They were confident in, in other parts of themselves. And so I, I've tried to take that with me. I like to feel sexy when I want to feel sexy, but I also, that's not my inherent value. It's not mm -hmm. my breast size or how pretty my hair is. Like my inherent value is being a human, having conversation, connecting. So 
it was hard to cover myself up and be more traditional, but I also fought tooth and nail for some things in the relationship. Like I hate cooking. And so my now ex-husband would do a lot of the cooking and that was not typical of his culture. <laughs> um, and I will give kudos that he was open to trying it and doing it. And he was a better cooked than me. Honestly, he was. Um, <laughs> so maybe so, it was a win for him too. <laughs> right, right. Like if your heart's not going into it, it doesn't taste that good. Um, but then reverting back, a lot of it to me again was familiarity. Like I actually think that there's a lot of value in if a woman wants to, shouldn't be forced to, but if a woman wants to cover her body because she doesn't want to be seen in a sexual way at any way, shape or form, like that's awesome. I like, I like being sexy sometimes. And so it was hard for me. And I grew up in a culture where that like is, prioritize so even harder for me because you're supposed to be sexy so I'm still fleshing out how I feel about everything but I think like ultimately what I've learned is feminism like everything else in life is so complex and what I learned in college I was fortunate to be introduced to cultures outside of the U.S. because we have a very white feminist history where we silenced a lot of women of color and their experiences. And I think, and I hope that that's starting to shift, but I also think and hope that having experiences with communities that were primarily non-white enabled me to understand sometimes I shouldn't be centered and it's not my voice that matters. Like sometimes I can just be there to uplift and shut up (laughs) (laughs) right well and I love that you talk about like you know the feminism isn't necessarily always being sexy all the time which I think is sometimes misconstrued as feminism but it's like that right to be able to choose if you want to be covered up and feeling like safe and secure in that choice or if you want to wear nothing and feeling safe and secure in that choice and being able to make that choice for yourself I think is the most important part of it absolutely I totally agree and same when it comes to if you have a child or don't have a child or abortion or you know like all of these things that affect feminine bodies feminine mental spaces like I, who am I to tear another woman down? And I still have to work through this. There are still spiteful parts of me. And I think we're trained as women in a lot of ways by society to feel competitive. And like, we want another woman to fail. I reframe and it's really cool. And I'm so impressed by you. And I get inspiration instead, but there's still that first thought that I have to combat that I think has just been trained to us through our culture. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always tell people that I think what it is is for so long, women had to fight for the one seat at the table that they became competitive with each other over that one seat. And now that we have more opportunities available, we still are in that mindset of there only being one seat available. And really, it's like, you know, every woman that's there gives opportunity to more you know, to come up behind her. So I do appreciate you saying that though. That's so sweet because I look up to you in so many ways too. So I think that's how it goes though, is, you know, the back and forth of being able to see and grow from each other. I will say another thing too, is like, 
something that I realized in my, you know, feminist journey too, is sometimes like the relationships don't look the way that, you know, you expected them to as a feminist, you know, they're in my new healthy relationship there are a lot of like traditional things that each of us do but I feel more in tune with my feminine energy than I ever have before you know so it's it's kind of interesting how that can work out just depending on what works for you as a relationship and you know having that choice again is the most important thing absolutely and such a good point in my now healthy relationship as well which I just want to caveat there that healthy does not mean perfect because I think that's also sometimes a confusing thing I argue with Trenton tooth and nail sometimes just this weekend had a blowout fight was like should we even date and then I was like actually you're great but you know reality is reality there's still things to figure out but we are fundamentally he's my best friend and I don't think there's a person in this world who would make me more content than Trenton does um that being said, like he's the chef of the family because I freaking hate cooking and he loves cooking and he's good at it. So he cooks, he, um, doesn't like budgeting. He doesn't like doing money stuff. I love doing that. It makes me feel powerful. So <laughs> I run our budget. Like there are roles that I take. I'm the like project manager of cleaning, which is a traditional woman's role historically. But honestly, that man just does not know how to clean as good as I do. I don't know how to cook like he does. He does not know how to clean like I do. He says he does. He doesn't. Um, (laughs) But I agree. Like you just figure out what works for you and the partner you trust who you have healthy foundation with. And that's okay. Like I'm not like, oh, I can't do it because I'm a woman. Sometimes I am because I'm grumpy. But (laughs) mostly I'm okay with doing things that are traditionally female if that works for our relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you touched a little bit on like your love for finance. You on your Instagram have been putting a lot of like, you know, feminist finance tips and tricks on there. Do you want to share some of that with us? Because I think that could help a lot of, you know, women out there too. Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah. Ironically, I learned a lot about finances through my not great marriage, but (laughs) that person was really good with money and I in Islam, you are not supposed to use interest to acquire things. So I had to learn how to be very good at budgeting because we had the intention of buying a house at some point and cars. And if you can't have interest, you can't have loans and all that fun stuff. So that's not how I live my life now. But I, my biggest recommendation for step one of individuals trying to learn how is decide what expenses you have that like are considered needs so yes housing expenses are a need because you need a house and groceries are a need because you need food and um depending on which part of the world you live in but for us in the U.S. usually internet is a need at this point because it's part of your job like those things for sure but something that I think it's left out of the rhetoric a lot when men are teaching or masculine people are teaching for me counseling is a need for me getting my hair done once I don't know every two months that's not how often I do it but you know my sister does is a need and that's okay 
like I don't feel good about myself without those things and that matters for mental health now this is coming from someone who I don't have a child I would alter some of this depending on if you had children or not and I would have to learn from the person who I'm talking to about what those needs are for them because it it literally changes person to person Mm -hmm. but that's like step one figure out what you need and then don't feel shame around it and if you do talk about it like why do you feel shame about that don't feel shame about it Then my second piece of advice is figure out how you want to do your savings for the future. There are so many options. You can do retirement, of course, and I always encourage people if they're employed to get the free money from their employer. But you can always take it. Yes, exactly. Uh, But there's also real estate. And do you pull back on how much you're putting into retirement to invest in real estate? Because the long-term, it almost always appreciates and is worth it. Um, there are so many different ways to invest. And admittedly, I'm still learning about all the types of investment. So I look toward women like Nicole Lappin, hopefully I pronounced her last name correctly, to learn more about investment. But um, saving, figuring out how you want to save after you've built your budget and you know your needs those are kind of the first steps. Holistically, learn how to budget, know what your needs are, figure out how you want to save, and then where your investment money is going to go to. When it gets to budgeting, that's really one-on-one, I think. I know a lot of people will be like, oh, you just do this, this, and this. But to me, that's like one-on-one. What do you need? What do you want? How? What are your goals? Stuff like that. Yeah, it, it should be very individualized. And I think that's important to know. I do love that you put like the self-care things in that need because yes, agreed. I work in finance as a woman and the men never put that in there ever. <laughs> no, one of, to me, it's just mind boggling. This is a bit of tangential to finance as far as budgeting goes, but um. The way that our world operates in the United States is so masculine and not built around the fact that we as women go through phases every month, mostly, at least women who are still ovulating and menstruating. Mm -hmm. And so during ovulation, we have higher energy, we're able to work at higher levels, we need less sleep. During menstruation, you're supposed to be more restful, you're supposed to be mindful of what you're consuming, you're supposed to be hydrated. And every part of our lives should reflect that. Work hours should reflect that, rest hours should reflect that, the way you're exercising should reflect that. I think finances should reflect that. During menstruation, I bet you, I haven't run this test, but I bet you I spend way more on food while I'm menstruating than any other time of the month. And that's something I'm interested in learning more about because I think that's so lost on society and it's so true for 50% of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a great uh, episode last season on cycle thinking and all of the different phases of our cycles and how we can work that into our like lives in general. So yes, agreed. <laughs> I need to go listen to that. And I also had a question for you, what your recommendations are financially like um I don't know yeah just that generally sure I mean you kind of know a little bit because we we had a meeting forever ago uh when you were still with your husband but I do still work in finance 
most people on here don't know that that's my full-time job um so I mean for me some of the biggest things is just again knowing your budget having plans for saving for retirement because without those plans it's always going to get pushed to the back burner so you need to actually have a plan and a way to initiate it also make it as easy on yourself as possible, whatever way that is for you. I know some people like doing, you know, cash and sticking it in envelopes and that works great for them. Other people, it's like just having automatic um, payments moved out of their checking account into their savings account on regular intervals so they don't even have to think about it. Just making it as easy as possible for you and then just finding that person that can work through it with you individually instead of just, you know, listening to some general advice and trying to take it because it doesn't work for you. So, you know, finding a finance person that you can meet with. Um, I know for like my business, we meet with people free of charge and build plans and do it based on you, your budget, your, you know, goals, all of the things based around you. So, I mean, really, I think you, you had everything that I would say. <laughs> Yay. I'm glad. I, I mean, I guess we're all always learning everything. That's like my brain, you know, we'll never be a hundred percent knowledgeable about any one topic. And that's like the best, scariest part of life. So, <laughs> I'm glad that it was in line. <laughs> but I mean, that's why we find other people that know more about things than we do too. Right. It's all about being able to learn and lean on other people for that knowledge when we don't have it ourselves (laughs) so true and so blessed that at this point in life we have a lot of access to feminine people who we can receive that knowledge from I can't imagine only receiving masculine intellect (laughs) not that the masculine is bad it's just there's so much of it so much of it yeah well and honestly that's why I started this podcast because I wanted access to other you know, women and their opinions and their stories and their knowledge to be able to grow from. So honestly, it's mostly for me and whoever else listens. Like, that's awesome. (laughs) That's the best way to build a business. Trent has to remind me, sometimes I get into my toxic masculine and I'm like, do I spend time on something if I don't make money? And he's like, what? Yes. Do you get enjoyment from it? And, um, I'll have to look it up. I'm I'm not going to like say that this is research proven, but I bet people who do something because it benefits and brings joy to them tend to go further with their business than people who do it for money. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I 100% agree. Everything that you should do should be done with joy. If you don't enjoy it, like either pay somebody else to do it for you if possible or get rid of it (laughs) yeah yeah optimizing time oh my gosh something how do you how do you schedule your stuff like do you do blocks do you do little segments I am like I'm a person that I know when I'm most like active and like able to like you know actually mentally processing the best is in the mornings so I typically try and get all of my like hard work things done first thing in the morning um which is why if you notice when I have my schedule open it only opens up at like 11 o'clock because my mornings are set aside for like my hard work stuff um but then I'm like a person that 
if I start doing the same thing for too long, I get bored and like, you know, go off on tangents. So I'm like, I'm just going to break up my day. <laughs> so like I go and I typically work out right in the middle of my day to kind of like give myself a brain refresh. And then I also like throwing in some of these like Zoom meetings in the middle of my day, just because it's like a good break and, you know, gets my mind going again and it's something fun for me to do. Um, and then usually at night, it's like focused on my family and, you know, cooking, cleaning, taking care of the house, all of that type of stuff. And then late nights is usually when I do things like edit or other things that are kind of mindless tasks that I can just do in the background. <laughs> awesome. Good for you. I am still learning how my brain works. So <laughs> yeah, especially at the ADHD, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm finding tips and tricks, but it's no lie when they say, they say women, but feminine people often get underdiagnosed for it. And mm-hmm. it, uh, I'm fortunate that I had good coping skills with it. And then my mom was really intelligent. So she was able to help me succeed in, in different ways. But I can't imagine going through it without her or without some sort of coping mechanisms. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I guess to wrap us up today, is there any tips, tricks, tools, anything like that that you want to share for helping people kind of tap into their feminine energy and power? I would recommend the resource. I'm going to Google it, make sure I don't say it wrong. (laughs) I believe it's Warrior Goddess by Heather Ash Amara. She has... I think it's a trilogy it might even have four books I know the first one has a workbook it talks a lot about tapping into your feminine how to connect with your warrior goddess one of the exercises that I still practice that I learned from it is getting completely naked standing in front of the mirror noticing immediately what you say you hate about yourself and then writing it down and reflecting to reframe into why stretch marks are a part of bringing life into the world different size breasts are part of whatever you know so um, I recommend that and then my other consistent piece of advice is making time to perform rituals that make you feel better whatever that means for me I struggle a lot with high anxiety I know that's common for feminine people so breath work and meditation tend to be really good movement tend to be really good um but I think it depends on the person. So um, if doing your nails is better for you than meditating and trying to silence your mind, I think find what works well for you to bring you peace. Yeah, I love that. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being on today. Do you want to share where um, people can find you, all of your stuff that you've got going on, any you know, tools that you have available that you want to share, anything like that. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I have the handle Heather Imagined on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and that is my WordPress page as well. I am still building it up and learning how to optimize content, but I'm going to be focusing in on finances, um, communication, which is actually what I have both my degrees in. So that one's a little more honed into theory. And then um, mental health 
specifically ADHD for women and panic disorder. So that sounds interesting to anyone. Please feel free to glance at my stuff. You're welcome to follow if you want, but Heather imagined that's what it is. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you have a lovely rest of your afternoon. If you love this episode, please let us know by submitting a review or sharing with the women in your life. We'll see you next time.